episode 321 of the Global From Asia podcast, lifestyle category, living in China, Vietnam, marriage, and heading back to the States. Interesting topic today. Let's tune in. Welcome to the Global From Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now your host, Michael Michelini. All right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into the show. Uh, I don't know about you, but I feel like we've had some pretty amazing guests. I mean, the show obviously is not me. It's the guests. Uh, I'm just in the way. I'm just a dude with the microphone. I'm still getting used to this new spanking new microphone. My amazing wife finally allowed me to budget to buy, but (laughs) hey, I do podcasts and stuff, so we needed it. Uh, Anyways, episode 321 here at the Global From Asia show. And I don't know if you notice if you I think it's on the podcast artwork. I can't keep track of the podcast artwork, but it's corporate business lifestyle is the three categories. And most of the time is business. Sometimes it's corporate like last week with Thomas Pun. Hope you enjoyed that. I put that under the corporate HR category. This one's in a lifestyle. It could be business, a little bit of business. I guess all of them are business, but Luke Francis, never been on a show. Uh, we had worked together and entered China, and we've known each other in the in the whole communities. Come to the cross border summit in the past, and we've uh, we've done amazing things together, but hadn't yet as a guest. And we've been talking recently. We met up in Chiang Mai. Of course, we spent a lot of time together in China, and we thought it would be cool to get him on a show. A little bit different kind of topic. This one talking about, you know, just living in China, living in Vietnam, being, you know, digital nomad, being an expat, being a foreigner in Asia. And then he got married. He's married in Vietnam, found an amazing partner, life partner, and he's moving back to the States. He's preparing all the paperwork and everything. So we thought we'd just kind of check this off in a lifestyle one for the, the travelers, the people a lot of us like me and him find a find a partner over here and get married and have kids. He's got a kid now and he's uh, going through a lot of, uh, you know, changes that are normal for a parent, a husband, a spouse. And we talk about that. I think it's an interesting topic. I think more and more people like us are going to be getting married overseas, you know, settling down, traveling. And then there's a point where you decide, do I keep sticking it out? Do I go back home? Do I, you know... I think it's really especially hard to live outside of both the husband and the wife's home country. I mean, it's already hard enough to be single in a foreign country, but to be married with a kid or kids is a whole other level of complexity. So I hope you all enjoy this. Of course, you can skip some of the shows. I know some of you select some, but or maybe you like this one. Let me know. I always appreciate feedback. Mike at globalformasia.com. At the team and I check those and we try to read all the feedback. So without further ado, let's put on Luke Francis. And after the show in a blah, blah, blah session, if you enjoy that, I will blah, 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 a little bit about my, you know, how I met my wife and how I got married out here and some of the other uh, lifestyle category kind of stuff, if you want to hear that. So let's tune in with Luke. Thanks, Luke, again for sharing. Enjoy the shows. If you want to connect with more of us, honestly, we just onboarded another member at GFAVIP.com. He actually found us from another content that I was on an interview. He says he really liked what we're doing, got into this, got into what we're doing. 
and just signed up and he's diving deep into the courses it's overwhelming i think i have about six courses in the program membership and we also have the member calls which honestly is kind of my favorite part because obviously i did the courses already and we're adding to the courses but the members calls we we have either workshops and we also have these kind of like hot seats where we really get to know a certain member and we try to help them out in a live online roundtable session so i'd love to see if you're interested application only gfavip.com okay thank you everybody for tuning into a global from asia podcast this is one it's been on the list. I don't know. It's been on the list for a while. <laughs> and our team's already talking to Luke about this episode before recording. So we're, we're prepared yeah. today. Um, yeah, I mean, it's in the lifestyle category today. We could talk about so many different things with Luke, but this is uh, Luke Francis, another American entrepreneur. And some we used to say in China, but in Vietnam and heading back to the States or at least on the list. So today we're going to talk about the journey and, uh, and some sharing of, uh, of, of all the sourcing and products and uh, startups and things you've worked on. So thanks again, Luke, for coming on. Uh, do you mind just giving people a little bit of your background for, uh, for those listening? Yeah, sure. Well, thank you for bringing me on the show. Um, it's great to be here from Saigon, Vietnam. And yeah, I was, Back in uh, 2015, I moved out to China to, uh, to manufacture a watch. And we can get into that, I guess, a little bit uh, as we move forward here. But yeah, essentially, I, was, I started out of college in, in uh, the corporate world doing marketing for a SaaS company. And I, I didn't really enjoy it. I think it was a great company, but the, uh, the, the lifestyle and that kind of just corporate life wasn't for me. And so I wanted to pursue my own uh, options and see if I could make my own lifestyle um, where there was a balance be- between, um, you know, enjoying uh, my environment and being able to travel at the same time, making money and, you know, surviving. Right. And so I, uh, I moved out to China cause I actually, this is interesting. So a lot of people in our, like that we know together jointly, uh, they, they go out to China for the opportunity, right? There's a lot of opportunity out there to manufacture. I mean, certainly now with COVID, it's, it's a little bit different climate. Yeah. But, you know, back then the opportunity was you go there, you manufacture something, you can pop it up on Kickstarter or, you know, Shopify or whatever you want to do, right? Um, for me, though, I was always interested in China. i would always been interested in Chinese culture. And so I just wanted to go to China because of China. And actually, I backed into the business opportunities that, are, that China has available just because I learned through uh, some online communities like InterChina that, uh, that I could start my own business uh, when, I, when I moved to China. So I kind of started opposite. Like a lot of people start with, I want to go manufacture something, so I go to China. I was like, I want to go to China, so how do I get there and afford that life? Oh, well, let's, let's try and make a business. Let's manufacture something. Yeah, I hear you, dude. I know. I mean, it's true. This whole COVID, I mean, we're all just wondering how long this COVID life will be. But yeah, it's totally different now. I mean, people can't just hop on a plane anymore and go to China or Asia, which is affecting all of us. I mean, I think uh, you you have everybody's being affected. But yeah, I mean, I definitely miss those. I hope they come back. But those old times where you could just I hope, man, I hope there's this time where it goes backwards. It's like, I just want to go to China or Asia, or I want to just start up my, yeah, like new Kickstarter or, or my new venture. I'm quitting my job and I'm flying out to, to Asia. You know, I, you know, a lot of people sometimes pick uh, Thailand or Vietnam or China, but 
hopefully that comes back. But um, yeah, I agree. I agree. Like, I, but unfortunately, I feel like a number of things need to change, not just COVID, but maybe some uh, some geopolitical things as well. Yeah, that's the other be addressed. <laughs> Man, I mean, uh, we chat on WeChat still. Hopefully, that keeps working. Uh, but um, yeah. but basically, I. I I do feel the trade war was already an issue even before COVID. Now COVID, trade war, and the other issues, uh, yeah, political issues. And it, it's going backwards, and especially here in the GFA community. And we have the, even the event called Cross-Border Summit we try to do yearly or have been doing yearly. You know, um, it seems like walls are going up. I know you're also going through some uh, – some, uh, We'll maybe get to that later about you know immigration for for your uh, yeah your yeah, yeah, yeah. wife and everything because that in a little bit but um so yeah I guess you kind of led into the let's first start with your move to China you know obviously that mm-hmm. each question on here could be an episode or a a book so it's yeah, hard I, but I could ramble on about anything I know, I know. for a while so much to share I know but you know. Um, yeah, like you said, you had to watch, and you you know your crowdfunding, and uh, mm-hmm. you want to just give us some of the some of the highlights. The highlights, yeah, the- yeah. So that was it was a great opportunity. So at the time in 2015, I think this was uh, March, I was looking at Kickstarter crowdfunding specifically, uh, or more generally, and I, I I knew there was an opportunity there. I had found the Inner China community, which was kind of helping people to do this. Uh, these kind of crowdfunded projects out of China. And uh, I was kind of learning that system and how that worked. And part of that is researching what products are good opportunities. And watches were very clearly selling well. And they still do today, even so many years later on, on crowdfunding. And so I worked with a designer on Upwork and designed a watch, although I... I it's funny because I never wore a watch in daily life prior to this. So, <laughs> you know, it was just, it was merely a business opportunity. And I, and I made the watch, went out to China, manufactured it. But there's some downsides to that too. And I guess this is kind of the lessons learned part that although I was able to find what looked like a great supplier on the outside, um, they, they, they ended up making the watch exactly how I had imagined it. And it looked great. Uh, but the, the quality once it delivered and once people started wearing it was it was clear that the quality wasn't there and the watches started to break in mass and everybody wanted their money back and uh, this is something where I learned that uh, quality control is super important and for one you don't trust the supplier to do quality control for you and then for two um, it's important to know how your product comes together in order to be able to to um, accurately put together some parameters around what to check when you're doing quality control. So yeah. if you don't know what to check, you, you can just go ahead and say, okay, yeah, like everything's working right now. And that's how I kind of assessed it. Oh, it works correctly now. The watch is functioning. But I didn't know what the potential fail points were in the future, which is what caused all of these problems in mass yeah. down the line. Yeah. And so. I- that's oh, why my dad my dad likes it man i yeah I, I think i took a couple of them but the second one he liked so that's cool man but uh oh that's great yeah i yeah i think i remember that and then uh his ended up breaking like the first one i sent says, right? uh, i think he says the, the dial the dial thing fell yeah. off yeah the power 
Oh, the, the glass. Yeah, the glass on the top. Something. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. Yeah, everything just started falling apart. It's a, it's a bunch of. Oh, man. But, you know, the, the, and I'll, I'll just kind of get, get a little bit more specific on that. Like when you are doing quality control, uh, you either want to like know your product in and out and all the potential future fail points or bring somebody on that's like a quality control expert, but a quality control expert in the field that you're manufacturing. So there's like general quality control. And then there's people that are quality control with watches and they, they know what all the potential problems can be. And that would be uh, the type of quality control that you would want somebody specific to your product. Cause then they know exactly what to look out for um, down the line. Yeah. understand. understand. Let's go. Uh, so I, I actually, I'm even, even I'm curious. We, we had, I had moved to Chiang Mai a couple of years ago. I can't remember when you, you were in Vietnam for a while. Then you, we even met for Chiang Mai for a bit. And then I, I know you were back in Vietnam now. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people are, it seems like Southeast Asia, at least in our community is getting more hot topic for sourcing and for like living at least pre COVID. And uh, yeah. I'm just curious how to, how to, I even I don't remember personally when we talked how you know what was the transition to Vietnam I think it was China Vietnam yeah yeah so after the watches kind of broke down literally um I was just kind of traveling around western China so like I said I'd always been fascinated by China so I just took the opportunity to kind of travel around I was doing some consulting and just working off the laptop living the laptop lifestyle and I checked out like uh Chengdu Kunming Dali Lijiang, all those beautiful cities and, and uh, areas out west of China. But I was in Chengdu uh, in 2018, and I felt like there was a change. Like, and I, it, it could have been Chengdu because Chengdu typically uh, trends to be more nationalistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just felt that I wasn't as welcome as an expat in China. Um, mm-hmm. And things just felt different. And so I, uh, I said, you know what, I'm going to give it a break. I'm going to go down to Vietnam because I heard that Vietnam was a, a good place to be as like a digital nomad and, and doing things off the laptop and trying to create business opportunities. So I wanted to go down to Vietnam and see what was available there. And so I went to, to Ho Chi Minh City or Saigon yeah. uh, in uh, July of 2018 and, and uh, just went to check it out, but never left. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happens to a lot of us in uh, in our stories. I mean, kind of living my China story. I mean, I came, went back, came back pretty fast. But yeah, I mean, a lot of us are like that. So, um, so was there, like, yeah, like let's hear about about that. I mean, yeah, Vietnam. Yeah. So I I met my wife, and that's kind of why I stuck around. But uh, in general, on the kind of business side of things, it's a uh, I would say there are more um, individuals that are out here kind of living the digital nomad lifestyle uh, than you would find in mainland China. Um, It's a different type of uh, business group, entrepreneur group. Uh, In China, I I felt like it was more tech and start like, you know, especially in the Shenzhen, Guangzhou area where I was. um, But then and then people coming in and out of China that, you know, they come in to do their manufacturing and then they leave. Right. Whereas here there's people that have stationed themselves here. This has become like their, 
their kind of base and then maybe they're traveling around Southeast Asia. Um, but in, you know, still enjoying meeting up and there's a lot of great people to meet up and a lot of cool events to, you know, mingle with other entrepreneurs and stuff like that. So it's, it's definitely a good hub for entrepreneurship. Um, maybe, you know, Chiang Mai is a great place to start. Whereas Ho Chi Minh city would be a little bit more mature on that journey of entrepreneurship. Um, if you wanted to look at it like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if you wanted to talk more about lifestyle. Yeah, I a question, but uh, yeah. um, I'm almost curious. I, I do hope this can be a little bit more evergreen, but of course there's a COVID. So I'm, are people, I mean, also it was not really affected. I heard Vietnam didn't, but I mean, it's, I think there was, they opened, they unlocked the envelope. Yeah. They unlocked, now they locked again. I heard it going back in the lockdown again. You know, I, yeah, we were on lockdown for about a month in, shoot, when was it? I think it was April, April or May. It was about a month. And then, but it really, that was, I was able to come into the co-working space every day. Um, you know, it was no problem getting around. There was only like a week there where even Grab was shut down. But uh, other than that, it was pretty, pretty open. And then after that month where there was no new cases for, I think, a two-week period, then they... They opened everything back up and, you know, with cautions, like everybody's wearing their mask and their temperature checked and everything, but things are pretty, pretty open. And then recently there was a a flare up in Da Nang Mm. and that came to Saigon a bit. There was a couple new cases here. And so there, there's a bit more tighter measures, like they're back checking temperatures everywhere you go and, you know, everybody's wearing their masks more strictly, but everything's open still. Restaurants are still functioning. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, I, it's tricky with the COVID. But let's just try to like not think about COVID, or let's just, just hope it's maybe another few months, and then hopefully back to normal. Let's yeah. Just that, um, you know, what? So you still, what would you recommend somebody listening today, maybe back like in your shoes, sitting in the U.S., uh, you know, maybe not happy where they're working, want to get in the adventure? I, you know, there's, I guess maybe Vietnam, a little bit of Thailand, and well, you said Thailand might be a good start. And then maybe Vietnam for more um, experience or China. I guess China feels like with the political, you know, even I'm kind of nervous being in China right now. I don't know. And, uh, yeah. But uh, I, so, yeah, as far as regions, I think also it depends on your, um, your sense of adventure. <laughs> um, I think if you are a Western individual listening to this and you want to change your location that, Thailand is a, a easier option. It's a great, it's a great place to start like Chiang Mai and any of the beach towns in Thailand is a great place to start. The amenities there are uh, comfortable and living is comfortable. Um, and it's not incredibly jarring compared to the West, in my opinion. Now, if you move directly to China or Saigon, I think that could be jarring depending on your sense of adventure mm. and how much you're, willing to accept new things. But, uh, but yeah, um, I think Thailand's probably the easiest place to start if, if you want to ease into it Okay. Uh, from a location perspective. In my opinion, I don't know. What do you think? That's, yeah, I guess that's I could add mine. Um, well, for me, I mean, you're going to maybe get into that later, but I, I was looking for schools for my kids at the time when I was making – I was not mm-hmm. happy with the school choices and costs in, in South China or – probably most of China from what I've talked to, but uh, as an entrepreneur to pay for the 
cost of school in China for English uh, was a little bit out of control. I think anybody listening would agree with me. So I didn't see too many in Vietnam. I had fr- I have mutual friends. We have friends in Vietnam. Saigon were trying to convince me to pick there, um, but I couldn't find as many school options. That was that was kind of one of the issues for me in Vietnam. But uh, in Chiang Mai, it's like a suburb of it's like a sub American suburbs like. Yeah, it's it really, really is. Like, it's laid back. It's totally different in Bangkok. You know, you, we also say Thailand, Vietnam. I mean, each city, just like in the U.S. or China, like obviously it's also city level, right? But Chiang Mai is like a suburban coffee shop, mellow. I mean, it's getting a little super chill, aging, but yeah. it was getting uh, there's a little bit of issue now with tourists. It's a little bit overcrowded of tourists, especially Chinese tourists. At least mm-hmm. again, COVID's happening in the middle now, so the world's changing. But at least then. That was one of the negatives, kind of, was just the pol- getting a little bit more polluted. The biggest one is the burning season. It's such yeah, a Yeah, that sucks. It's a real yeah. big bummer. But, uh, you know, there's tons of schools there for, like, English, you know, international-level uh, schools from the seven to 12,000 U.S. a year per kid kind of range. So that was kind of acceptable for, for me uh, and my wife. Uh, it's still kind of a lot when you put times two, but, uh, you know, it's – it's uh, whereas in Vietnam, I, at least from my research and my friends trying to tell me to go there, I said, you know, give me a couple of schools like that are not in the $25,000 a year, which sounds crazy. Right? I don't want to pay $25,000 a year for kindergarten. I'm sorry. Like, I just don't want to pay $25,000 per kid for kindergarten. So uh, I found those in Vietnam and Saigon, like in China. So I couldn't find, and even in Bangkok, there's not, yeah. like, and Bangkok's expensive too, I think for schools. But in Chiang Mai, there's some reason just a lot, I guess, I don't know really why, but it's just the cost of living's low. And there's even families in Thailand moved to Chiang Mai for the schools from what I've heard. Yeah, I've heard similar things. We haven't started looking at it because my kids are so young. Yeah, is- uh, and we're also in the transition back to the States. But uh, yeah, I've, I've heard similar things about the price here in Ho Chi Minh City compare you yeah, know, similar to what what you experience in china yeah, i think or these kind of uh western yeah, schools if you want english that's the hard thing i think i guess you're going through it now like when you start looking at the costs as a single it could be female but usually it's male but just normal female women western women coming to asia too but you know the, the whole adventure of a single person whether it's a man or woman is totally different than a married with kids uh life like it changes everything changes everything so i know when I met, <laughs> we met last in chiang mai we you know you're you're holding your little one and i had my two they're like more toddlers you know running around mm-hmm. now but yeah it's a, it's a, it's true even without the whole digital no matter traveling but even just anywhere in your home country it's just a obviously a life changer so yeah i mean today's show is more lifestyle anyways so um I guess I do have one one question though. Do you think you know the digital nomad? Some people said the, the digital nomad lifestyle is dead. You know they think with COVID and uh, travel restrictions and uh, visa restrictions that might be coming. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of feel like it has been kind of smoke. I feel like it's smoking out all these people because I have friends in China that are on like thirty day, sixty day stays, and they're they're like kind of like, where do I go? My visa's expiring. I have friends in Thailand, their visa's expiring. They can't get renewal or it's harder to get renewal. They, yeah. I just feel like everybody's kind of getting, I call it the smoke out, you know, it's like, uh, uh, and it's getting harder. It's temporary though. I mean, yeah. this will change. 
uh, yeah, maybe maybe it's harder now, but it'll it'll get back to the way because the the underlying desire that leads people to to choose this lifestyle will always be there, you know. So once the the COVID situation goes away and and things kind of get back to normal, you know, people will be back at it again. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I do agree. It's just, I guess the whole, we keep saying that, but then I, I do feel like I, I was there for September 11th in New York, well, New Jersey, across the river. I saw the towers go down. And if you think about travel before September 11th, the, there was no Patriot Act. There was no, all this, like, all this detect, I don't, I, there was definitely security at the airports, but it was not like to the level of now, you know, take your shoes off, dump mm-hmm. the water out of your bottle. You know, like, mm-hmm. I think, I think travel is going to just, I think not just short term, of course, short term, but I think it's going to be a long term thing now. Face shields, you know, like uh, masks. I I think it's going to be more and more difficult to travel even five years from now, I I feel, but we'll never know. We're not going to really know, but. uh, um, Yeah, I hope not. I just, I hope that we don't get into a state of constant fear, uh, you know, and let that drive, you know, how nations, interact with each other and make deals on, you know, travel, um, you know, and, and the rights to go between nations. I mean, I, I hope that we can keep some of these wonderful open border agreements between, uh, you know, Southeast Asian nations, of course, and even yeah. China. I know. China. Well, like China, I've, I have friends really upset because they're, you know, like us to have wife and kids. They were on the other side of, I almost, I barely made it back. You know, I think in my story, I barely made it back before borders closed and borders still seem, I think there might be some loopholes now, but it seems pretty much closed still. So um, in a way, you know, I feel like some countries are using this as an excuse to keep borders closed in a way. I mean, uh, they'll never probably admit or prove, be able to prove that, but uh, you know, yeah, it's just, it's just uh We'll just have to wait and see, you know, there's obviously nobody can predict, look in the magic crystal ball and get the answer, but let's just hope they go back because it was getting crazy. Yeah. Like, but some people say it's almost better now because there's all these like tourists everywhere and, uh, <laughs> but the one scary yeah. thing, in, we're talking about Chiang Mai, I don't know about, there's all these elephant parks, which actually is good that they're going away because some of them were like cruel to elephants and stuff, but I right. they're just releasing the elephants now. They're just like letting them out because they can't pay for them because there's no tourists. So it's expensive to feed an elephant. So I've heard stories on Facebook groups and there, there's like, yeah, that's tough. Cause then they might get picked up by, you know, loggers or whatever to be reused in in that trade that they got out of. Right. Yeah. Anyway, let's just see what happens. But, uh, um, so yeah, I guess let's go to the next topic, you know, marriage, you know, the next stage of life for yeah you know a lot of us yeah, are man. i think the digital nomad movement you know i guess i don't know if i'm really i guess we still count as digital nomads but you know we're not it's a lot of this is only maybe 10 15 years old max you know of people mm-hmm. who do this so now i think more and more people like becoming like us getting married having kids you know so do you want to kind of I'll just leave it at that. You want to share? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely, so I I guess, and this is just kind of general uh, thoughts on marriage, but like when you start 
as a as an individual it's so selfish right like everything is about me like i i was optimizing for my life to to have the most enjoyment in in china and southeast asia you know just having fun uh just for for me and living life on my terms but then when you bring a wife into the picture then you've got to consider two but then you have yeah. two kids <laughs> and you've got to consider four people right and uh and it takes away a lot of personal freedoms and it takes away a lot of that selfishness as well or at least you have to come to terms with a lot of that selfishness Agreed. um and you and and that's the biggest thing i've learned is that um you know i i had this idea of what a what like a digital nomad family might look like um but then that turned out to be wildly different in the fact that you know even visas like especially cuz my wife is uh is vietnamese and the vietnamese passport cannot get the same level of uh you know travel experiences as a as a american passport can get and yeah, that's just facts i mean i wish it was easier but it's not and so it's it's difficult for us to even go and enjoy another country it's because true. she has to leave within 14 to 30 days you know i know and I mean, uh... Yeah, I mean, my wife's Chinese, and uh, yeah, but it's similar. Like, even when we get to Chiang Mai, like the Thai Thai people are much immigration policies are much more difficult to Chinese for long term visas. And mm-hmm. but yeah, I think a lot of us we all learn like even before we're married. I know some of us nomads have girlfriends that want to travel, and they're obviously you know from these countries that are also difficult for uh, travel, and it makes us start to realize also how you know fortunate we are to have uh that but of course it also makes it more uh difficult now we have that yeah but you know and i don't know if this is heresy to say out loud here so maybe i should <laughs> say it in a hushed tone but after having a family i start to feel like um the 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 constant travel lifestyle is not uh the best and i feel like uh I find myself gravitating more and more towards routine and something that I can count on yeah. on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Yeah. Um, and I, I enjoy that. that consistency. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I think that's all of us. Me, me too. You know, um, it's just e- exhausting to think about, especially when we have to move a group of people and then, Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's natural. I think it's a, I'm even reading some books about, um, you know, human, the past, you know, the, the tribe, tribal, like I think humans used to just live in groups of 25 to 50 and they were hunter gatherers and they, mm-hmm. um, they didn't really, you know, people wanted to stay What's in What's this book? I, that's why I was afraid to say I'm reading a book, uh, Sovereign sovereign uh, individual i believe okay it's on my kindle um okay yeah yeah and i got it i i get too many books but uh basically he's talking about 500 years we've been living in these 500 year cycles and you know jesus was born right that was zero and then before that like rome rome started falling after jesus the whole Jesus thing from zero to 500. And then there was a dark ages from 500 to 1000. And then from 1000 to 1500 was the, the Renaissance, they called it where Christopher Columbus, you know, the discovery of all these new places. And then 1500 to 2000 was the uh, industrial wave. And uh, 
Um, you know, now we're going to the information age in the 2000s, uh, which seems to be actually, the book was written in 2000, but I feel like he was, it took 20 years. But what he's saying is like, he even talked about virus and all this stuff, you know, and, uh, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a new world. We live in the information world, you know, um, and it says mm-hmm. governments are less and less important and they're going to keep trying to hold on to their power because they don't want to lose their power, but they're not as power as needed as they used to be because it's all about information and, and, uh, and uh, creativity. But uh, the governments are still trying to show their power, which is what is happening, right? Like they're holding on to their power. So I don't want to get to conspiracy theory, but it does seem to be uh, at least how I see it. Um, but yeah, marriage and settling down. So let's, let's, let's talk, unless you have something to say on that crazy rant, but... Uh, no, no, just getting back to the marriage, yeah. Marriage stuff. So, they, yeah. so we imagine you were in Chiang Mai for a while and then uh, you're back in Vietnam. And now, where, where are you at now? Like in... in the, yeah, so we're back in, uh, in Ho Chi Minh City, um, just living out in kind of a far out district, not near the center at all, but it's, it's located next to her parents so that uh, they can come over and assist with the kids. Great. Yeah, that does help. So that's been great. Yeah. I'm the same. And uh, yeah, but in the process, like we are, we're living here for the next year um, as we fill out the paperwork to get her, her uh, uh, immigrated to the U S. Okay. Um, and so once that paperwork processes, we'll, we'll move over to the U S. I just kind of comes I, full circle. I thought of you. Yeah, years I thought in. of you. I read the article. It says U.S. immigration is getting more expensive and harder. I mean, I think it seems like the, the, you know, the whole Trump uh, administration seems like walls are going. I mean, I think it's happened with Brexit. It's happening in everywhere, but it seems like everything's getting harder, right? So, I'd love to just hear. Yeah. Something. So our experience has been that it's 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 not difficult for us, and I think the reason is is that it's. Uh, we're married, you know, she's coming over as a spouse of an American citizen. And uh, that speeds up the process quite a bit. Uh, I think it is, however, getting a lot more difficult for people that, you know, maybe came through some of these systems like the the lottery, or mm-hmm. even asylum seekers, or, or, you know, any of these other visa immigration programs that the US had, those are now becoming... Um, yeah, just more difficult. But yeah. I, I think for, for people coming over as family members or uh, as part of, you know, from a spouse or, or however that works, it's a lot easier. Okay. All right. Um, so then, so we're kind of in the middle of in summer 2020 now. So then you think by like, mm-hmm. I guess then a summer next summer, you think, or so? Uh, well, right. actually, we were hoping December. Um, we're in the second part of the process now, so she needs to schedule her interview with the U.S. consulate. Uh-huh. Um, and once that, you know, hopefully she passes the interview. <laughs> if she, uh, everything checks out, then, uh, then we'll, we'll move hopefully in December. But we, we just, like, the hardest part is knowing timelines. You know, you can read online some averages, but nobody's for sure. Yeah, and then everything is kind of backed up. Uh, because the staffing is not as, uh, they're not at a hundred percent staff. So it's just, yeah, it's backed up a bit. Okay. Well, good luck, man. I hope, I hope it goes smoothly. And, uh, um, 
it's honestly not something I'm doing right now actively. We've had some discussions with, with Wendy, my wife, but uh, for now. What's keeping you in China? Yeah, I mean, it's a common question. Uh, I mean, we were in Chiang Mai. The quick quick story was her parents got uh, had diff- different illnesses and her grandma had passed away in November. And mm. um, Sorry to hear that. Yes, when her grandma was... She says she's brought her up. Her grandma helped her a lot. So I guess similar like us now, her, her grandparents are helping our kids a lot. So it seems like you too a little bit. So they kind of this connection with their grandparents even more than maybe in the Western world. Um, of course, I had a good relationship with my grandparents. But uh, so she went back and then she was here in November while I was in Chiang Mai with the kids for, it was a sh- long weekend. But basically, uh, then she found out her mom had, you know, basically some, some pretty progressed cancer in her dad's some heart. And so she was just mm. before, this is all before COVID. So in November last year, we were chatting and she says, um, you know, I have to go back and spend time with my family. You know, I guess that's true with, you know, I think any, you know, I also think about my own parents, you know, or, you know, family members and, mm. uh, so she says, you don't have to go with me, but uh, you know, I'll take care of the kids. And uh, so the plan was I would go to, I just chose Philippines because I have some business there anyway. And I, I didn't really see myself living here. <laughs> well, I came here for a few weeks and I left literally. I remember hearing about, I don't even know if they had to name coronavirus yet, but I remember hearing about a virus while I was still here. Mm-hmm. But I flew middle of January, early January to, to Philippines. And I, my plan was I mean, bounce- nobody knew what it was going to become. Yeah. My, yeah, basically I was planning to be bouncing back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe not often, but I was maybe going to come back in March, you know, like a couple of months and then visits. And then, cause I had a, t- I switched from a work permit in China to a 10 year business visa, you know, America with the, mm. I was just going to, I didn't, couldn't even stay for six months. Like basically it was a half year plan. The original plan was, we finished the school semester in Christmas in, uh, in Thailand. We didn't renew. We told them we might, you know, we actually were switching schools. So it kind of worked out anyway. So the idea is she maybe, she also wanted to learn Chinese more anyway. So it was like a half year here. I could be like a digital nomad or traveler. Uh, and then we were going to go back to Chiang Mai in the fall. And, but yeah, of course, a lot of people say, why don't you go back to the U.S.? You're like hustling so much. You're like paying all this money for schools it is, it is true, you know, but I still, uh, even the show, even, I don't know, I don't want to believe, use my podcast as a scapegoat, but, you know, uh, I, I mean, I, it's kind of become my life. You know, I've been here uh, so many years, you know, I can't even remember. I guess 2007 is when I officially came. So, Do you, you feel know, a stronger connection with China and the region than you do with the U.S. at this point? Well, I mean, a lot of people say, oh, you get China for life. I mean, I think I'm more Asia. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's hard to say for life, but I think Asia, you know, I just, that's just how I feel. But mm-hmm. I, I didn't plan to come back to China. I mean, I thought I would just visit China. It's not like I would never come back. I don't, I'm not like a, a big anti-China. I mean, a lot of people, mm-hmm. I, I mean, there's also, there's, well, there's governments and policies and then there's people, right? There's, so of course policies like I feel same like I feel like not as welcomed here. I, I maybe it's in my head, but uh, mm-hmm. it's not like it used to be. Where um, I guess it went. It was too extreme, nice to foreigners or easy, especially white. Right. Yeah. I yeah. Know what I'm talking about. I mean, 
unfortunately it's a or fortunately maybe a guess for us but unfortunately for other foreigners it wasn't as nice but by being a white especially male i guess female too but it used to be almost too easy or too nice for us and now it's like i feel i can't really say specifically things you know i can't say but i just feel like i don't get that same vibe as i used to you know i feel yeah um maybe i was spoiled but it's also not as welcoming of a feeling anymore um just generally i'm not doing business here i'm working at home uh but uh you know i do look forward to go back to to thailand i kind of want to also travel a little bit you know i'm homeschooling now so actually after this interview i uh in afternoons i do you know so your teacher mike i i joke man but uh, i always resisted to become an english teacher you know like <laughs> it all it ended up happening you can't I escape the I english think I teacher in, i think you read one of my books destination china i have it in there like you know i had my failures with product development too and yeah. there was rock bottoms and then there was a rock bottom where i was uh, on the street corner with a, another uh, foreign american friend and we were drinking beer and i was devastated about a huge quality control problem i had and i was going to have to be faced with a huge loss uh and I was screaming like, what am I going to do? I was on, you know, it's just, in China it's busy everywhere, but it's like a busy corner, you know, like, in yeah, a, yeah. like a, one of those ghetto 7-Elevens. I'm like, I have no money. What am I going to do? And some woman in a suit, really presentable, middle-aged, you know, businesswoman, she's like, gives me your name card. And I'm you like, a, you want a job? I was in like, I think I had like a tank top, you know, I think I had like cargo <laughs> shoes. This is like early on in China. Like I was still like a kid. I like you fit the bill. You're, and, you look uh, like an English like, teacher. Oh, you want to be an English teacher? I have a because she heard me and came up to me and tried to get me to become an English <laughs> teacher. And then she says, "Oh, you don't you don't even have to really teach. You just play video games. These are very wealthy. <laughs> These are very wealthy. Uh, so honest. Yeah, so she's honest. just play with them. They're, the parents want them to spend more time with foreigners. So you just play video yeah. games and hang out with them. And and I was like. And, and my friend's like, you know, he's like laughing in the corner. He's like, I'm like, no, no, this yeah. is not going to I will never teach English. Yeah. I feel yeah. that same aversion to teaching English as well. Like mm. that was, that was all, I was, I'll, I'll find money doing anything else. Yeah. I, I will not teach English. Yeah. I mean, I mean I, it's just I, a strong aversion. I think we have listeners that are teachers. I mean, I mean, you know, and I understand yeah. some people do it, you know, I think even, uh, you know, in the, in, the communities people do it as a short-term way to get into the get into the lifestyle so mm -hmm. you know i'm not trying to hate on it but you know i think yeah, i think you and i are similar page like we have a limp that's kind of a line for but I, I my last part which i i so i teach english to my not just english math you know like i'm my right now my wife's doing it her father is doing my grandfather her father her grandparents are doing it so we mm -hmm. just share um but there was a time at the beginning where neighbors' kids were trying to sneak in, and then I'm like, <laughs> I'm like this, I'm like, I'm like Wendy, what's this? We're not a school. Who is this kid sitting here? <laughs> like, I don't know. It's not my kid. I don't think. Unless uh, I don't know. Like, I don't remember having three kids. She's like, oh, but can he just sit there and listen? I'm like, no, no. It but starts he, with one. Yeah, he just gonna sit there and listen. I'm like, 
no, 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 no. I teach my kids. This is it. This is the line. I'm, I'm, I'm going. I'm crossing lines here. I'm breaking boundaries mentally and physically. But and then we had some <laughs> arguments, and uh, he hung out for a little while. But that was that was the last time I. I felt bad, but uh, I'm like, I have my lines, you know, anyways. All right, I think we can wrap up today, but I do want to talk about what you're working on. We didn't talk about what your current venture is. So um, let's, let's. I mean, I think you want to share a little bit about what you've been working. I mean, you know, when you talk about the watch, which is, you know, like a lot of us, some learning experiences and you've been through a lot. You've helped a lot of people mm-hmm. with crowdfunding, but I know you're in so totally new space. So I'd love to hear a little bit about what you're working on. Yeah, so... Now that I've been kind of living the lifestyle and before I was trying to afford it by building things that were opportunistic, right? And just doing things that could make me money. Um, But there's some trade-offs there and the trade-offs are often that um, without the passion, you can't really build something to the level that it has a potential to be. And so I wanted to pursue some business that was within my passion and you know, for me, that's sleep. Um, I, I love sleeping, <laughs> but I love sleeping because I sucked at sleeping for most of my adult life. I, you know, once I got to college, I just started sleeping terribly. And then it just got worse and worse as I uh, got into work life and then moving out to China and just living a different lifestyle out there. Like I just became a, a terrible insomniac where I, I couldn't count on any consistent sleep. And so, um, but with the kids, it became really clear to me that I needed to get better sleep. Uh, like, cause I mean, I could go into the statistics here, but the, the, the part of the brain that is regulated by quality sleep is also part of the brain that controls your, uh, your emotions that, uh, like would, would indicate anger as well. And so if you don't get sleep, typically you'll find people that don't sleep as well are more angry. And so it was one of these things where, you know, if I want to be a good dad, if I want to be a good husband, I feel like I need to be sleeping better. And so it really became a priority to figure out how to sleep quality every single night and get the amount of sleep I needed every single night. And so in that process, I was able to figure that out and I wanted to share that with others. And so I've started a, uh, a challenge. I call it the eight months to eight hours challenge. And it's simply uh, the, the same exact process that I use to get better sleep um, and just sharing that with others and kind of walking people through the methodology. We built a great community of people that are on the same path together, that journey to better sleep. And, you know, especially for anybody listening that's like uh, an entrepreneur or somebody that's trying to get into business, that, that stuff's stressful. I mean, stress is the number one cause. Stress and anxiety are the number one cause of sleeplessness. Uh, and you know, I've, I have over 200 people that have gone through the challenge right now and I survey everybody that that's coming in and the number one indicator is an overactive mind. I say, okay, the first question I ask is, you know, what do you think is causing your sleeplessness? And the number one indicator, overactive mind. And if you're getting into entrepreneurship or you already have your own business, then you probably know what I'm talking about. Just laying at, in at bed in, at night, just thinking like, oh, I've got all these problems in my business, uh, all these opportunities, dreaming about what the possibilities are. And those kind of things, they just keep you up all night. And then the next day you can't perform at the same level. And so that's really what I'm trying to address is helping people to sleep through the night, get the sleep they need so they can perform at the level they want. Okay. 
Awesome. Is there, I mean, I guess I can link it in the show notes. I'm taking some quick notes here, but uh, it's a, it's a. I'm yeah, it's just sleepshifu.com. You can okay. go sleepshifu.com. So right now we're, I'm building out a, a free newsletter. So if you, okay. if you go check out sleepshifu.com, it's just a newsletter sign up, and it's basically tips and hacks uh, to get better sleep tonight. Uh, it goes out weekly. Um, okay. And I, I interview experts in the field like sleep scientists and nice. sleep coaches, um, sleep psychologists. Awesome. Uh, really what I'm trying to solve is this part where maybe you know what you need to do in order to get better sleep, but you don't know like how to convince yourself to do those things. Cause actually behavior change is one of the hardest things to do in life. Right. So mm-hmm. that's really what we're, we're, um, you know, doing in the sleep Shifu challenge is like really trying to improve that behavior change so you can get the sleep you need. So if you sign up for the newsletter, like the next page is uh, to check out the challenge and uh, yeah, it's like a free, free trial. So you just, Come check it out. See how it works for you. We have a whole web portal where you can track your sleep and, um, you know, check out different psychological hacks in order to improve your sleep, et cetera. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Thanks again for sharing with us today. And uh, I'll uh, appreciate it. I'm glad we finally got you on the show. It's been been a long time coming. Yeah, man. It is. I'm glad to be here. All right. Do you enjoy this show? I hope you do. I can't take all the credit though. We have an amazing team and we do use this team to make other content for people listening. Some listeners are using our service. Some people in our community are using the service. Of course, people on the internet, contentinvestments.com using the team. I mean, Alvin's our editor. We have LJ, we have Mindy, we have Stephanie, we have amazing people, you know, here. Um, and they love doing what they do and love working with us. If you want to support what we're doing and get some extra hands for your business, check it out, contentinvestments.com. All righty, Luke. Thanks, buddy. Finally got you on the show. And it's great, man. I mean, we got some business in there and we got some of the lifestyle and the living, which is our prerogative on this episode episode 321 of global from asia global from anywhere my wife's like don't do that you're gonna confuse people speaking of my wife how did i meet her uh she's embarrassed to say maybe i said on the show or it's definitely on my videos or my personal blog at mikesblog.com but I met her on Chinese social media, on Weibo, the Chinese Twitter, in 2012. Actually, when I was doing that startup, Social Agent, before I even started this podcast, uh, we were doing a lead gen outreach, you know, social media tool on Chinese social media to help foreigners do business in China called Social Agent. It was actually even a Weibo agent at a point. And she was one of my <laughs> leads. Some people say I should make it to a dating app, but, uh, you know, she is doing amazing business. She's a businesswoman, business person, and uh, she was in Beijing at the time working at an app company doing business development for uh, a Down, Downjoy, which is a uh, kind of like a Google Play of China, one of the Google Plays. And, you know, I was doing an app and uh, I was looking for business development people. So, yeah, I mean, I was in Dalian, not even too far from where I am in Shenyang, where her hometown, where I am now, and uh, not too far from Beijing. So during a business trip at China Accelerator Incubator Program I was in, went to Beijing, and she was one of my business meetings, which obviously got to become more than business, but 
you know, she's she is a business development person. She's supporting this show. I know she's never been on the show, but uh, she's been supporting this show so much. Um, you know, with our events, cross border summit, cross border matchmaker, cross all these various events, and we're, she's even influencing a lot of the decisions in here. So that's what she she helped me a lot in the in the. I think she was just kind of amazed or just crazy foreign to try to do a social media app in China, like which was pretty freaking crazy. Basically, it was like insane. Anyways, we um obviously started building a uh, a relationship, and it was a little bit long distance. I was in the incubator in Dalian, and then I went down back to Beijing a few times. We were considering my staying in Beijing, but I had my CTO. He was actually on the show, Chris Lee came out to Kate was based in Hong Kong so I came back to Shenzhen to, to work with him and there's some couple others on the team in Shenzhen so in 2012 went back down to Shenzhen and then uh, we kept in you know we, we actually visited each other between Shenzhen and Beijing a few times and then we decided maybe you know she was open to coming down and and then um, uh, obviously the rest is history we married 2013 and pretty fast like within a year or maybe a year and a year and a half and uh yeah then miles came and global from asia started 2013 uh and then you know we didn't have too much time without kids but we had kid and then another kid maggie and yeah i mean uh they're american citizens can't be both china doesn't allow it china, u.s allows it but uh so that's why some people popped over to hong kong to pop the kid Sorry for that. And then, of course, having kids, honestly, I don't want to say it, but the first couple of years, I don't want to say it's easy, but you don't got, it's not as complicated. You know, you, they cry a lot. They wake you up at night. Uh, they, uh, you know, there's different things, but the, the complexity, I think, and the challenge and the cost comes when they need to get into school. I think that's where you notice like Luke and others. And, and, uh, and once you have to start considering school is really when you get that that uh, big blaring sign like okay it makes sense to go back to my home country or you know to go back to my maybe maybe the wife or the husband somebody's home country because when you're both not in your home country and you have kids you got to basically pay for international school or the schooling choices gets slim especially if you want english language school in asia or probably most other places it's more difficult and then uh, the tuition is just expensive you know like you know, in China, seems like English language school. I was paying like over ten thousand a year for one class a a day in English. You know, and it was not that good of English class. It didn't seem to work. And uh, you know, if you want full English in China, you're talking about like twenty five thousand US per year for kindergarten. I'm not, I don't know. I, it sounds nuts, right? But uh, so, anyways, the school is really when it gets uh, to be that decision point. Like, do we really, do we uh, really stay where we are? <clears throat> And that's how we got to Thailand, was the kids' school. There's actually a lot of cool schools in Chiang Mai that are really reasonable. And around the 10,000 mark, which is why I was paying in Shenzhen, but it's full English. And it was like the same as, maybe I don't want to say same, but similar to the 25,000 U.S. cost English school in China. And so that's how we ended up there. Anyway, don't want to go through a whole life story. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely challenging to be overseas with uh marry with kids it's just a different kind of lifestyle you know i do want to travel with the kids i'm, I'm honestly really excited to be homeschooling them now um uh, the covid is kind of a good excuse to test homeschooling because there's not many other choices and 
really see if you if you can really get that homeschooling thing cracked. School is like the biggest cost, and it's also for, you know, for me. Obviously, I can kind of work almost anywhere. I choose to stay in Asia, but you know, can work online. You know, then you could kind of live anywhere. If the school is really the part for me that has kind of been making me have to decide on a place to stay semi permanently, at least for you know semesters at a time. But I don't know. I'm still not sure. Wendy and I are still not sure if we're going to continue the homeschooling. Maybe the rest of this year. But uh, I just thought I would add this in a blah 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 session after the episode with Luke and talking about lifestyle and you know living and marriage and kids and all that complicated stuff it's it's true what they say if you're not married with kids right now you know not saying it's a bad thing but enjoy the phases you are in your life you know i'm trying to enjoy this you know i my kids are six and four i think that's an amazing time to be with your kids you know i'm stuck with them during covid at a great time to be stuck with them they're they enjoy being with me they're playing with me you know uh, i can influence hopefully positively influence their life and their education so um trying to make the most of it now but definitely when you're single and the the worries are a lot less and you can uh, really do uh more crazy things although like, i'm not saying i can't now but it's just a different kind of lifestyle so i hope this all makes sense thanks again for listening to the show all the way through to the end of the blah 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 you're a hardcore if you're all the way here but episode 321 as always we have show notes on the podcast check it out see you later bye-bye to get more info about running an international business please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com that's www.globalfromasia.com also be sure to subscribe to our itunes feed thanks for tuning in